Good morning, everyone. Today is the second Sunday of our Unchanging series, and in this world where everything seems to be constantly changing, it's good to know that we can trust that there are some things that do not change. And last week we heard about God's unchanging mission, and today I want to remind you of God's unchanging character. God will always be consistent in His character and His love and His power and His promise, because that's in His very nature. 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I know this, being a pastor and all, that God's character has been the same and always will be, but I had a really powerful reminder of this just this past week from a very unexpected source. Last week, for some reason, I felt drawn to pull a book off my shelf to read that I hadn't looked at since junior high school, Robinson Crusoe. There was just something in my spirit resonating with a story about living alone on a desert island. I can't imagine why. I hadn't remembered very much about this book except for that, and I vaguely remembered that there would eventually be another character added to the story named Friday, and I was prepared, I braced myself, to encounter the intrinsic racism that shows up in colonialism, especially in a book written in the 1700s. And I certainly did find it there, but that I was prepared for. What I wasn't prepared for, what I hadn't remembered, was how the author, Daniel Defoe, had shown what had enabled Crusoe to live as well as he did those first 25 years completely alone was his encounter and then his relationship with the living God. That's not how the story started at first. First, after the shipwreck for Crusoe, every moment was about survival foraging as many supplies as he could from the wreckage of the ship before they drifted away, building a fortress for protection around unknown threats, and then hoarding and hiding all of his supplies. And then after that, he was consumed with taking stock of what he had and trying to figure out how he was going to make it last, how to plan for an unknown number of days ahead. In the early part of the story, if he thought to think of God at all, it was only long enough to send up a prayer of thanks for being alive or to cry out in despair around what he didn't have. But mostly that first whole year, all of Crusoe's mental, emotional, spiritual energy was just on survival, working every moment until he collapsed exhausted, even his sleep interrupted by worries that he hadn't let surface during the day. Now, I've never been shipwrecked on an island, not even close, but I found it strange how much I could relate to the emotions of this book, looking back at our lives since March. Crusoe didn't have toilet paper to hoard, (laughs) but it was funny how much else felt familiar about his emotional journey. See, the narrowness of crisis vision has a survival purpose. But the fact is, both fight and flight, they take a lot of energy. And neither of those things built up in us the things that make us our best selves, our best reflection of the image of God. So for the sake of our humanity, eventually that page needs to turn to a different chapter. And it does. 
In the story, on the day that Crusoe realized that he had been shipwrecked for an entire year, something in him shifted. He entered into a whole new kind of struggle, not around survival, but around meaning. Moving from the question, how do I survive, to why do I survive? For the first time, he started to look outside himself for those answers. And feeling his need for meaning, he instinctively turned to God. The book says about that anniversary day, I kept this day as a kind of solemn fast, setting it apart to religious exercise, confessing my sins to God, acknowledging his righteous judgments upon me, and praying to him to have mercy on me through Jesus Christ. I had, all this time, observed no Sabbath day, for as at first I had no sense of religion upon my mind. End quote. Crusoe recognized that God was at the heart of his search for meaning, but clearly his only thoughts about God at that point in his life were pure law. The purpose for religion in his mind was just about right and wrong, about conviction and punishment. So remembering God in this moment drove him to his knees, which was actually a very good place to start. But it was only the start. Because our God's character, our God's desire is not to keep us on our knees, but to draw us up, not by our power, but by His, to walk with Him. Once God was invited into the personal desert island that was Crusoe's fortressed heart, from that day on in the book, very slowly things began to change for him. Whereas before he could only see his island as a terrible prison, now he started to notice its beauty. He started to notice what could have been, the choices he could have made in his ignorance that would have hurt him, but he didn't. And he had no explanation why he didn't. He began to be grateful for the things that had made all the difference in how he was able to live, the conditions of the island itself compared to somewhere else he could have been exiled. And although sometimes in that year he'd only been angry at God, now he had the mind and heart space to begin to notice that even though he was alone, he wasn't really alone, and he never had been. Among the things he managed to salvage from the ship was a Bible. And in survival mode, he hadn't the energy to think about it. But now he found himself grasping that Bible as a very different kind of lifeline. He found in those pages that the same God who had spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was speaking to him. And the words took on a relevance and immediacy he had never experienced. And one day he had a profound moment with the living God where he intensely knew, God, you found me. You know me. You're with me. And it dawned on him that even when there was no other human being that he could impact, his life mattered to God. His spiritual maturing, his growing and understanding himself and God, that mattered to God so much that the Lord had found him even on the island of his sorrow and isolation. And for 25 years in the book, before he encountered another human being, God was his sole companion and his provision. 
And the stories of God's friendship in the Word became the primer of his relationship with God. Far from any church or seminary or study, he was taught who God is by God's Word, by God's character, and by God's own presence that found him. Now, Robinson Crusoe is a fictional character, obviously. But as I was reading these words, I had a spirit-level reaction of recognition. I was reading about Crusoe's moment with God, and something in my spirit rose up and cried out, Hey, I know him! (laughs) He's talking about you, Jesus. How did you get in this story? (laughs) I know the one Defoe is talking about because I've encountered him too. I know what it feels like to experience him finding me. And I immediately knew that Defoe could not have written that story unless he had encountered that same Jesus on whatever had been the desert island of his own life. Because I'm sure you know as well as I do, you don't need to be shipwrecked to experience what Crusoe did or what Defoe himself obviously did. To get thrown into living in survival mode so long that you forget what gives your humanity meaning. And I think that in a lot of ways, many of us have experienced those seasons of hoarding, of building our protective fortresses, of operating out of fear and isolation and loneliness that come from crisis vision. But we can only exist there so long before our souls start to cry out for more. And I think Daniel Defoe's story tells us something that's very true about human beings and our relationship with God. Because long before Crusoe was ready to cry out to God, God was already there, had already been there, waiting for him to be ready to reach out and to know that he was found by the only one that really matters for eternity. So I want to ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready to reach out and know that you are found? Are you ready to see that you are not and have never been alone? Because no matter what desert island you're living on, God sees you there. He is and always has been the God who comes to redeem and restore. And even if your circumstances don't change, knowing you are not alone on your island, that changes every moment for you. It gives every moment meaning that's eternal because it matters, because you matter to the God who made the heavens and the earth, who sent his Son to be your Savior. He seeks you and he finds you here. Last week, reading a fictional story, I read about an encounter with a real someone that I know. And I realized that in the 1700s, Daniel Defoe encountered the same Jesus that I have because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today, and forever. And in the 1500s, that same Lord encountered Martin Luther in the desert island of his self-condemnation with a grace that opened up and changed his life forever. And that same God found Hagar weeping in the desert, and she said of him, you are the God who sees me. And that same God found Hannah crying out in the temple in grief for her childlessness, and she became the mother of the prophet Samuel. That same God found the woman at the well, lonely among people who had rejected her for having been rejected so many times. 
And she was chosen by Jesus to be the first to hear, He is the Messiah that came to find and redeem and restore those who are marooned by this broken world to know that they are seen and known and draw them back into God's eternal love. From the very first fall in the garden, our God has always called out to us, where are you? He's always sought to find us in our isolated hiding, in our islands of despair, to redeem and restore us by his eternal love if we are willing to receive that gift that he alone can give us. But I think like in Defoe's story, we too can get so fixated on our survival, on our own efforts day by day, that we don't think to reach out for the one whose presence makes our lives meaningful. So if you feel like you're on a desert island in survival mode, maybe it's time to turn the page, literally. (laughs) Start by grabbing the Word of God. Let it be your relationship primer to help you trust God's unchanging character for you. Because the Bible is a revelation of the character of the God who made us, who saved us, who was with us in the past, who is here with us in the present, and who has given us an eternal future with him through the saving work of his son Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us right now. Our God's heart has always been to redeem and restore those who are willing to receive the saving gift of his grace and be adopted into his love as his own forever. And one of the things I love about the Bible is that it proves that point about God's unchanging character just by existing. (laughs) Because unlike other holy texts of other religions, the Bible isn't actually just one book written by one person at one time. It's a collection of books written over 1,500 years by dozens of different human authors in different eras of history in different locations. And some of those books are histories, some are poetry, some prophecy, some song, some letters to the churches, some teachings. But no matter how different each of those books are from each other, no matter how different their purpose for being written, you will find two things consistent in all of them. The first is that they all show that people are consistently imperfect. Even in the stories of the faithful Bible heroes, we see they turn toward God when they realize they need him and they run away from him when they feel like they don't. So if that's your story, take heart. It's everyone's story. (laughs) The only constant in humankind is the tendency toward being inconsistent. Sometimes we call this tendency sin. But the other common factor is that there is one character who remains amazingly consistent through all 66 books of the Bible, through thousands of years of human history, through dozens of different human authors. God's character comes through faithful, trustworthy, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. What he says, he does. What he promises, he will do. Unchanging in his character, no matter what else changes, we can trust this about who our God is. God the Father, in Jesus the Son, in God the Holy Spirit, he was, he is, and he will be. And we see that particularly in the face of Jesus Christ. 
because Jesus is the living Word of God made flesh. Jesus is what God wants to say to the world in His words and in His actions. And when we look to Him, we see the heart of God and His compassion and His love and His holiness and His self-sacrifice, His mercy and His grace revealed to us. He is and He always been the God who sees us, who finds us on our desert islands and calls us into His companionship and His eternal love. When we are faithless, He is faithful because He cannot be untrue to who He is. But he's waiting for you to be ready to receive what he has to give you. Know that your experience with God might send you to your knees. That's a good place to start. But in my experience with Jesus, he won't leave you there. Because to those like Peter who sink to their knees and say, Get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Jesus' answer is to issue a call. Good to know. I came to call sinners. Now get up and follow me because I want to make you part of something eternal. He's the God who finds us and he longs to use our lives too to help others hear and respond to his call to find their home in his love too. So if you've been feeling like you're on a desert island, it's time to invite him in. Talk to him, cry out to him, listen to him. Let the word of God remind you of what is unchanging in him, in the promises he has made, not just with words, but in his action, through his sacrificial love for you on the cross and through the power of his resurrection that gives hope to you. Remember, God's heart is and always has been to redeem and restore even you. So let him onto your island. And day by day, you'll begin to see more and more of how he is and has already been there with you. This week, intentionally thank him for those things about him that never change. Ask him how he can use you to help others see his character this week, how your story might become for them a primer for someone else to learn his unchanging character. And then finally, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That among all the things that are changing, all the things that are happening in our lives, that none of them surprise you. That throughout all of human history, you have seen it all before, in one way or another, and that you have faithfully walked with your people. Through every trouble, through every crisis, through every sorrow. And that you promise us, Lord, that you will never leave us or forsake us. That with our hand in yours, that there is always hope of what is yet to come. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us this week as we find our hearts shutting down, building those fortresses around our hearts on our own desert islands that you would knock on our hearts and remind us to invite you in, that we might see and know that you are God and that you are good and that we are always and eternally in your presence and your love and your saving grace. For it's in the unchanging character of our God that we trust and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.